Hi, and welcome to episode two of Season Gaming's VidCast. I'm Bert Sines, and I'm joined by Ainsley Bowden. Hello, everyone. Today, we're going to be talking about news, developer news, rumors, and fake news. And our main topic today is going to be E3 and what we do and don't like about it. We also have some Season Gaming reflections that we're going to talk about for some old games that we used to love. Let's, let's go off with our big news stories this week. And one of the big news articles is Marvel vs. Capcom's Infinite roster. It has leaked by a NeoGAF user by the name of Rice6. Um, some of the things that were kind of talked about are, number one, there's no X-Men, no Fantastic Four. Um, a lot of big characters that people love, like Akuma, um, are missing from the, from the roster. If you look over onto the uh, Capcom side uh, as well, uh, we're dealing with Frank West being potentially the last character that's missing off the roster. So a lot of people are going to be disappointed about that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I saw the leak as well. And, uh, you know, it, the feedback I saw was definitely mostly negative, uh, which isn't a good thing, right? I know that uh, Wolverine is one of those classic Marvel vs. Capcom characters. So um, I don't know if it's, you know, licensing concerns or, you know, the whole MCU kind of thing that's going on right now. But um We'll see if the uh, turnout for this game seems to be as big as I'm sure Capcom is hoping it is. It's It's been a big game for them in the past, so um, we'll see if people still turn out. Yeah, one of the funny things about um, Marvel vs. Capcom <clears throat> Infinite, I've heard from a lot of uh, social media that it's going to be kind of not the hardcore pro gamer type game that it was before. It's going to be kind of like a Marvel vs. Capcom Lite, so to speak. Um, so we'll, we'll see what that really means for, for the game and if people are even going to pick it up as much as the previous ones with all the new releases like Justice 2 and stuff. So we'll kind of see what that's all about. I'm, I'm excited to see more about it, but at the same time, um, I think I'm going to wait for that game to kind of get all the DLC to come out and everything. I'm not going to jump on it at launch, as, as some people may also not do. Yeah, personally, that <clears throat> you know, I used to love those fighting games, um, but personally, that style is kind of... Um, doesn't really interest me too much anymore. So I haven't paid a lot of attention to this. Uh, I'm more into Injustice and the Mortal Kombat style nowadays. So um, <clears throat> our next uh, kind of thing that we saw come up this week was that Beam, which was the streaming company, upcoming kind of competitor to Twitch or wannabe competitor to Twitch, was bought by Microsoft a little while ago. And they unveiled their whole new kind of uh, brand, if you will, on um, – with their integration with Windows 10 and Xbox, which is now named Mixer. So Mixer is fully integrated into the Xbox UI, and they're gonna Microsoft's gonna be pushing that pretty heavily to uh, you know have people sharing their games and uh, broadcasting you know through Mixer to try and build that audience. Um, one of the interesting, I thought anyway, one of the really interesting features about it is it has actually uh, the capability to co-broadcast. So up to four people remotely can play a game together and broadcast at the same time, which will be turned into kind of one broadcast or one viewing um, for someone who's watching it. So you can see four separate screens and you can even integrate the chat channels from all four players as well. So that's really neat if you think about the possibilities there, whether you're watching something like, uh, you know, competitive shooters where there's groups of four or, um, you know, some of the big uh, PC games, um, Rainbow Six Siege, Halo, you know, all those kind of games where you have teams, essentially. You can kind of see all the team players at once. So I thought that was a really neat idea. It could be, depending on how they, they integrate it and depending how many people actually obviously use it, uh, we'll see how that turns out. But it's it's intriguing as a start. Yeah, I've, I've had a lot of fun with the, the whole 
uh, sharing of like even when Twitch, the I guess their competitors around, and and we, we've actually broadcasted it with Beam before the name change, and the integration is really slick. I obviously like the way that it kind of just shoots over um, and starts broadcasting. I know that even if you have the app installed on your phone, it tells you that that user is now um, streaming, which is really cool. I should say broadcasting is a better word for it or streaming. So it's it's going to be really cool when you can do it with your friends and and family and kind of do it in four screens. So that looks really cool. Yeah, and, and one more note on that as well, as Microsoft came out, and this is obviously to help push it, right, is they came out and said that um, they're going to be doing their E3 conference over Mixer in full 4K. So, yeah. you know, people with full 4K setups are wondering how they can watch E3 in 4K to give them the best experience of upcoming Scorpio news and even PlayStation 4 Pro news. Um, <clears throat> and that's going to be one of those avenues that you can use uh, to watch it in 4K. So a lot of big switch news this week. Um, <clears throat> first, uh, kind of a small side note, but something that I just found interesting is that uh, there was an article that came out that talked about the competition between companies like Nintendo and Apple, uh, possibly Samsung as well, and competing for the resources and the um, development of the chips that go into these devices. So if you think about all the processors and NAND memory that goes into an iPhone or goes into the Switch, because it's essentially a a mobile platform um, because switch shortages, <clears throat> shortages are still occurring, excuse me. And then, you know, development of phones is, you know, that speaks for itself. Um, it's kind of interesting to see that that's, you know, that's a concern in the industry. And I, you know, we've all heard the horror stories of, of those productions, but uh, I hope, you know, or I should say, we'll see how that turns out as the year goes on, because I know Nintendo had said that they're still trying to ramp up switch production uh, even faster than they have now. So, and then, oh, sorry. Go ahead, yeah, I was just, just going to mention, it's funny to still see uh, someone announce that a Switch is available at uh, Target.com or Walmart or Amazon or whatever it is, and it still sells out within 30 minutes or something. So it's kind of crazy that they're still selling like crazy. And now that we might see shortages, that'll be... I think Nintendo, their official statement was that they want to ramp up production to get to 18 million units by next year. So, you know, with their launch in the first week of March, that would be, you know, 18 million units in year one for the Switch, which would surpass the total sales of Wii U yeah. ever. You know, I believe it's 17 million, right, for Wii U. Um, so that's just, it just goes to show that the Switch is a hit so far. So we'll see if that continues. Um, but the more important news for Switch owners was that Nintendo came out finally and, and gave a little more information, still vague, but a little more, on Nintendo Switch Online. So they said that the free service now, which originally was going to move to the paid service in summer, and then they changed that to fall when the Switch launched, well, they've changed it again. So now the paid online service is not coming until 2018. They said the free service that exists today will continue until that point, and they did give a few details of what the paid service will be. So it's going to be $19.99 a year, which compared to, you know, PlayStation Plus and Xbox Live Gold, it seems like a, a relatively decent value. Um, <clears throat> and they also talked about instead of giving one free game a month, uh, which would then change every month, which was the original description of their free game service, they've now changed that to say they're going to offer a, a suite of classic titles that you can play as much as you want, um, as long as you're a subscriber. So that's good news on the surface anyway. They still talk... They're still talking about this smart app device that they're going to use for chat through a phone. Um, and that just, yeah, I don't know, that still seems weird to me not to have full integrated chat, you know, with the system. But I, we'll have to see how it turns out. Hopefully it's better than I'm imagining it, but we'll see. 
Yeah, well, while we're talking about the Nintendo uh, chat system and their whole online service, I did want to mention that the uh, Splatoon 2, uh, Splatoon 2 coming out, uh, Nintendo and um, has kind of released kind of how they're going to do the voice chat system in general. And it is getting some very negative press in the um, social media aspect. And I'm, I'm hoping that they talk a little bit more about it at E3. But the whole concept is extremely weird to me, especially in 2017. Um, and if you even talk about the shortcomings of technology in general with how they're planning on doing it. So the easy way to think about it is you have your Switch um, that's going to be sitting in the middle of the entire wiring um, contraption. And that's going to go in your Switch dongle. They'll have another cord that'll go into your phone. Um, and then it comes the whole issue of, you know, does your phone, if you have a new iPhone or even some of the Android phones, don't even have a headset port anymore. They're using the, the lightning the port that they're going to be using off of that. And then that goes into the dongle. And then you have another cord that goes to the actual headset. So with some of the phones that only have one import, what if your phone is low in battery? Um, or what if you running into issues with um, you know where you're connected or something so there, there's a lot of weird things that are coming from it um, this is by a third party however it's by Hori H-O-R-I uh, they've been known to have some awesome controllers in the past and some other peripherals that have been used by other consoles so um, this is not an official licensed product from Nintendo however Nintendo is talking about it and they're pushing it as their chat uh, system so we'll see how that kind of goes and it fails miserably, but I can't even imagine the number of cords that you're going to have to have around you in front of you just to chat with your friends on a on a shooter that's a competitive shooter on top of everything. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. <laughs> Nintendo has always been behind when it comes to the whole online functionality. I mean, by a by a significant margin. And uh, you know, it was great to hear that they're going to have an online service with chat and lobbies and and you know, games every month you can play. All that's great news. But if it's not implemented well, then it's just going to cause frustration. And games like you know, we we talked about Mario Kart Eight a few weeks ago. Uh, Deluxe, um, which we love, and but just trying to play with friends or chat is you know impossible, and that's it's really a shame because they have a lot of games. Splatoon Two is another good example. Arms is coming; that's a big game for them. Um, you know, Super Smash Brothers is an obvious one, right? That's going to be a huge kind of party game that could really dominate the online scene. Um, and yet, Nintendo just seems kind of indifferent about it at times, and it's always been a bizarre, I don't know, bizarre kind of uh, stance on on online gaming from them. Yeah. One last thing about that that I just find hilarious <clears throat> as, as, as I end my rant on the whole thing is um, the, the cord that goes from your dongle that I'm talking about to the Switch is only 20 inches long. So if you're maybe sitting on the couch and you're, uh, you're docked into your Switch, you're not going to be able to reach it. Um, you're going to have to be buying some extension cords probably uh, from wherever you get your cords, Amazon or whatever, just to be able to do it um, from, from your home or on your couch if you're not using it handheld mode. So uh, as we always say, Nintendo, um, I, I don't know what they think at some times, but we just have to kind of go with it at the time. I hope they release an official product that's a little bit better. We did get the first look, and it is now live for the Game Pass. This launched on the first, so two days ago, um, three days ago, if you're watching this as we broadcast this. So uh, it, it's the first look that we're seeing of it. And um, once again, to, just to keep in mind, this is the first launch. So this isn't something that's been out for a while, and we're expecting a ton of library. But the, the simple side of it, it's over 100 games. Um, from what we've messed with and, and kind of logged in and done the free trial, we're looking at the majority of 360 titles. However, there's a lot of awesome first-party software from Microsoft that, that you get in your pass. 
Um, and the way it works, it's it's free for 15 days. So if you just want to check it out um, and see it, it's free. If you're going to do the subscription service, it is $10 per month. Um, and it works a lot like games with gold. So you do have to download the game fully. And after that, it simply plays on your console. You don't have to log into the Game Pass every single time to launch it or anything. It is in your library, and you can play it as many times as you want. It saves your, your saves um, with the cloud um, and on your console if you're saving that way. But it seems to be a really cool service. I like a lot of the games, and um, unfortunately, I own most of the games already that are there from a first-party side. But if you miss some of the backwards compatibility games that are kind of flowing into where we are in current generation, like your Halos, your Gears of Wars. It's awesome to kind of see everything and be able to download it and catch up with where we are today. And that 15 days and $10 per month, it seems like a no-brainer um, if you're an Xbox One owner. Um, it's it's a great deal from what I'm seeing. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. No, I agree. I, um, I'm part of the uh, beta build or the insider build that they call it now on Xbox. So I actually got to download Game Pass uh, a few weeks ago and, and give it a shot. And I downloaded um, Classic Dungeons and Dragons game, Shadows of Mystaria. Always a big fan of those games. And a few other titles. And it, it really is. It's, it's as simple as going to the store for Game Pass like you would any other digital title, downloading it and playing it. And it's essentially as you own it. They have said, like we talked about before, they have said that some games will possibly fall out of it you know like they do on netflix there's some licensing issues on the game side where games may be removed but they don't think that's going to happen too often so really it's just going to be more games getting added to it more more often than not and it works great you know i i, I like the direction they took where storage is easy to increase right you can buy a four terabyte external hard drive for cheap nowadays or you know relatively speaking and um, <clears throat> it's a lot easier than having to worry about bandwidth, you know, than streaming the games that, that may not work as well. So I, I think it's great. As you said, $10 a month is a relative bargain for people, maybe not so much like us, because we tend to buy a ton of games for all platforms. But people who, you know, may only buy a couple handful of games a year, this, I mean, for the price of two regularly priced games a year, you're getting access to all these titles and it's uh, it's a really cool idea. It's it's the closest thing we've seen. You know, it's been heralded as the Netflix of games, and it's certainly I think the closest thing we've seen to that. So I think it's great. I'm curious to see how they continue to add to it. You know, it just launched. We know the games that are in it. Um, I want to see the rest of the year what gets added to it to see what type of uh, further benefit we, you know, players can get from it. So it's interesting. Yeah, I'm thinking from the hardcore gamer side for people like we were just talking about, like us that have a lot of the software, we might hesitate a little bit until some of the library gets a, a little bigger with other games that maybe we haven't played. But there's still a lot of games in there that I was seeing that um, even backwards compatibility games that I was like, wow, I, I never got to play that game. It'd be kind of cool to play it. And, you know, for, for the price, it's it's awesome. So um, thankfully, I, I'm on it already. So let's just see what happens with uh, the rest of the library as it gets added. Yeah, that's um, funny you mentioned that because there was a big, uh, a big thread online yesterday about a game, and I'm, I'm forgetting its title, so I apologize. But a big thread about this game that you know kind of went under the radar that's in the Game Pass, and a bunch of people are downloading it and loving it. You know, people were talking about spending 10, 20, 30 hours on this indie game, and uh, and they never would have tried it without Game Pass because they have Game Pass, and you can just try all these games for free and play them for free. That they're finding new games that they love, so it's good stuff, man. I hope. Uh, you know, I, Phil Spencer said in an interview that it took them almost three years to work out all the licensing deals to get this in play. They started working on this back in 2014. Um, so it just goes to show how long this has been kind of building for them. So I, I hope it, it's successful. 
Right, and to move over to some uh, not so positive news for uh, people that are expecting kind of some stuff from E3 on our main topic today, but and to some of the, we've been getting a lot of uh, news that's been kind of sneaking out the last few days with release dates, things we might see, and some negative news from Square Enix. Um, as a lot of people have been waiting for Final Fantasy VII Remake since uh, 2015 when they debuted their trailer. Um, in Kingdom Hearts 3, uh, Square Enix released some news, not only on their calendar of what's coming for the next uh, four to five years, but also that some of the games um, are going to be released a lot later than we expected. Um, on the calendar, uh, some of the games like Kingdom Hearts 3 and Final Fantasy 7 are not going to be released until maybe 2019, 2020. Um, it's even kind of uh, even more negative that Remake is going to be an episodic game. So we might not get episode one um, until later, uh, two to three years. So for people that have been kind of at the edge of their seats that have really been looking forward to seeing it since E3, we still have a bit longer to wait. Um, so I'm not really sure what that means for E3 coming up in 2017. Um, more than likely we might get another, maybe a trailer, maybe even more gameplay this time, but um, lame in that sense, I guess when you think about it, um, from what we're hearing from Square Enix, um, I, know, I, I know you're a big fan of Final Fantasy VII. And what are you, <laughs> you're probably even more upset about it than about it. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I never really got into the Kingdom Hearts games. Um, always been a big Final Fantasy fan, and I, you know, my love for that series it goes up and down. I think as many people do because they change. You know, they change so many things. So Final Fantasy VII, you know, I, I couldn't tell if you're being sarcastic or not. <laughs> With Final Fantasy VII, uh, I, I have spoken out about that game many times, um, which drives a lot of negative. Uh, negativity towards me because I know it's a revered game. Um, and, and I think that's part of the problem here with the delay is the game is so revered, so loved uh, by so many people that you cannot mess this up, right? If you're the team remaking this game, if you mess it up, it, it, there's going to be hell to pay. Um, and I don't, I think that they're really kind of taking their time with it to make sure it's done right. So um, yeah, it'd be interesting. I It doesn't surprise me at all. Kingdom Hearts, I don't, it's absolutely absurd, right? The, the, that franchise, I know people love it, but between the strange way that games have been delivered and the 2.5 and the 2.8, and just it's just a mess. And people have been waiting for Kingdom Hearts three for a long time now. So I don't know. It's uh, it's weird to me, but we'll we'll continue to follow it. Yeah, the Kingdom Hearts vein. It's it's funny because I think Kingdom Hearts two actually came out on uh well Kingdom Hearts one came out on PlayStation two, Kingdom Hearts two did too, and then they had some kind of. Uh, remaster on ps3 and then the 2.8s and all that stuff came out and then they moved them to mobile um so some of the uh expansions to that were on mobile where they had their own standalone game there and now on ps4 you can get i think the greatest uh remaster of each one of them um and as they usually say in 1080p and stuff so it uh, you can play that game almost on any console at this point from any generation so it's kind of funny yeah just well, no. negative news yeah yeah, sorry, I was going to say, it's just, you know, it, I see it as just milking the franchise. And I know there's, people are going to get mad at that, but there's, you know, and there's story elements that have been expanded upon. And, you know, if you really want to get the whole story, you have to play them a certain way. And I think that's just ridiculous, in my opinion. Honestly, I think should have Kingdom Hearts 1 and, and 2 and moved into 3 and kept it linear. And if you want to remaster, great, but at least keep it so that people trying to enter the franchise aren't completely confused as to what they should be buying or playing that it makes no sense so that's it's a weird one um a few other delays why we're talking about delays so uh, a couple other notable ones so um 
Middle Earth Shadow of War, which is the follow-up, um, you know, to Mordor that that got a lot of uh, positive press a few years ago in Game of the Year talk. It's supposed to be coming in August, which seemed like a pretty positive release time, right before that really that fall kind of uh, big game lineup kicks in. That's actually been moved to October now. So uh, October seventeenth, I believe, is the worldwide launch they said and and the rumors around that um because we know they have a partnership with microsoft on the game is was that to give development more time to kind of polish it um but maybe a second layer of that was do they plan to launch that sometime around scorpio because the rumored scorpio launches is october so um obviously we'll know next week when e3 hits but um that's an interesting one and then um Real quick, I was just going to touch on Red Dead Redemption 2. You know, last time we filmed, we said there was a rumor, or I said there was a rumor out there that it may be coming in September. Sure enough, not a day or two later after we recorded, um, Rockstar themselves came out and said it's now delayed to spring of 2018. So I think um, that was probably the biggest delay we'll see this year, right? I mean, that game was going to be a, a meteor and hitting the industry whenever it was going to be this fall. So I think every other developer that had to compete with that title breathed a huge sigh of relief. I know even some developers were joking on Twitter about it and posting like happy gifts, you know, uh, that they knew they didn't have to compete with Red Dead Redemption 2 this fall. So um, either way, I don't mind. I know that game is going to take over my life when it launches. So it, they can take their time as much as they want. I know it'll be amazing. And spring doesn't bother me at all. So um, what are, uh, I know you, were a big fan of the original uh, Mordor game and put a lot of time into it. Any concern about this October release date? No, and actually, the, in, in the press release, from what the developer <clears throat> said, is they were going to fine tune some things and stuff. So, I, in, in my opinion, I think it's not necessarily bad news. I don't really go crazy for games in August as it is. I'm usually catching up from the crazy backlog, so I'm completely fine um, with it coming out in October. And if it's going to get some um, enhancements from the Scorpio, even for the Pro for PlayStation owners, I'm completely fine with that. Um, I love the first one. I played all the DLC even, um, and the stories on them are great. So I hope that they expand on it. And I'm, I don't, I don't have any negative side from it being delayed. The the one thing that I, I find interesting about the second delay you were talking about is the Red Dead Redemption one. Um, historically, Rockstar never releases their games on the original release date. So. Um, that they that they announce, so it's it's fine with me on that one as well. Because every single Rockstar game that has come out in recent memory has been amazing at launch, um, with the exception of I guess Grand Theft Auto V Online not being good. Um, wow, that game, as we talked about in our last bitcast, is just the cells are ridiculous and they they make no sense to us as far as that. And people have bought that game twice now. So with Red Dead Redemption coming, as you said, I, I'm the same way. Um, I'll I'll probably lose my life on that and. Um, <laughs> crazy uh when that comes out so you know move it to spring 2018 i'll be ready um yeah i think my uh, body will be ready for that game <laughs> i think uh i think i even owe rocks are an apology not that one coming for me matters at all but uh, i think last time we recorded i said they were up to 60 million units and i was actually wrong um they were actually at 70 million at the time and since we've last recorded they have now announced that they're at 80 million shipped so 80 million shipped for uh Grand Theft Auto V is just staggering. And, um, you know, it's it's amazing. And you said a lot of people are buying it twice, and that's because, obviously, it was 360 PS3 gen and came to a PC and then came to Xbox One and PS4. And uh, the price on that game just doesn't go down. You know, you see it on sale for 30 or $40, but it's, it's three years old now, I believe, and it's still, you can't find it for $20. You know, I, I keep waiting to pick up a second copy myself because I owned it on 360 and want to buy it for, uh, for uh, Xbox One or PS4. And... Um, 
it's just amazing the longevity of that game. So, <clears throat> um, Far Cry Five, we were going to touch on, right? Um, that is one that uh, we got the trailer on. We we put some stuff on our site about it. There's been some interesting talk around it. The release date on that one, if I recall correctly, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's uh, February 28th, I believe. And um, people expected that this fall as well, but uh, apparently that's going to be you know an early 2018 title. But the the big discussion about it, of course, is it taking place in a fictional county in Montana, Hope County. But really is that it has to do with a what looks to be a cult, you know, a, a church that's more cult-like and doing some obviously really horrible things. But for whatever reason, and it could be the political climate in the country right now or just, I don't know, stupid people on the Internet. Um, but there's a lot of discussion or, or concern from a small minority of people, I think, that, you know, well, why are we fighting, uh, you know, white Americans? And that, that was just a really... I won't get into this too much, but my personal opinion is just ridiculous on this, right? We've had countless games, including four Far Cry games, where you're doing the same thing in, in other places of the world, and there's never even been a peep about it. So why anyone would be concerned that we're going to, uh, you know, just be in the U.S. doing the same thing to some violent cult? I have no idea. I find the whole thing kind of ridiculous. But uh, as far as the game itself, I'm actually really looking forward to it. Love Far Cry 4. Um, only played a little of three, a little of primal, but um, I'm really looking forward to what we've seen of it. It looks crazy, it looks over the top, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, um, it's yeah. So to, first of all, to confirm on your release date, it's February twenty seventh, twenty eighteen. So we're another game that has been moved to the twenty eighteen calendar, at least released that we're highly expecting uh, to twenty eighteen. So um, first of all, that's kind of crazy. Um, the, the funny thing is, obviously, me being a brown guy, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, I find the whole thing kind of funny because, as you mentioned in other previous Far Cry games, <laughs> exactly the same thing. You're killing other people that are not white, um, and no one's really said a thing stateside. There has been a, a little bit of uh, from people that are not here, obviously, and white, um, and haven't really cared about it. They're like, oh, you know, we're killing this fictional world with fictional characters and a fictional society that doesn't exist in real life. But um, in the previous games, they're all based on a society that exists in the real world. It's just You're just not named in the game. So obviously with this being a religious cult, I think it is hilarious as to the feedback that is coming out on social media and people that are saying all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, it is kind of funny that there, however, is some Christian um, folks that are saying, hey guys, this is fake. Um, it's not real, and you got to keep in mind it is a cult. It's not your typical everyday <laughs> Christian that is walking around. So it's not like um, they're making fun or they're, they're taking a society that exists today um, in the exaggeration that they're doing. So I, I'm with you. I find it extremely crazy and kind of silly. Um, but you know what else do you expect? And as you mentioned, the current political climate um, is going to breed all kinds of stuff that is just going to come out. So. I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to take it any further on the side of the craziness that exists in that culture to begin with. Um, but I think it's going to sell like crazy. It might even sell bigger um, outside of the U.S. just because of the subject material. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, happens. It's uh, the controversy is always nuts in games in general. So see. you know, you make a very good point, um, which I hadn't even considered. Is is exactly that? Is that this is if you think of outside the U.S. or even in nations that are primarily white or Caucasian, however you want to say it, um, what are they going to think of this? Is because it's it's a little different in that vein, right? But I mean, at the same time, think of your Grand Theft Autos. We were just talking about Grand Theft Auto selling eighty million copies, and you're in a fictional Los Angeles where you're 
you know, you're, <laughs> we know Grand Theft Auto, right? You can do anything you want uh, in terms of to those people walking around the city who are, are white and all kinds of races. So it's just, it's a video game, you know? People need to stop taking things so seriously or so personal. It's a video game. Relax, have some fun with it. If you don't like it, just like any other movie or book or music you don't like, don't buy it, don't play it. Just leave other people alone. So, I mean, yeah. that's that's the heart of America, right? So it's it's bizarre. So anyway, let's move on to some uh, better news. So um, <clears throat> I know you had, um, we were talking more about the Switch and the online service and uh, some news came out, I believe, just yesterday, right? About a, a kind of supported headset for that, for the Switch. So you want to ch- touch on that real quick? Yeah, so really briefly, um, I, I did touch on it a little bit already with what's kind of coming, but um, it is specifically coming out for Splatoon. And kind of the, the the funny thing is that it's even shaped like the little inkling that is in Splatoon as far as the headset goes. So the dongle that I was mentioning um, is shaped like a little inkling, like a like a squid type head. Um, and that's going to be releasing alongside with the, um, the Splatoon 2 game. Um, it'll be interesting to see if other software is supported on that, that you'll be able to use it. Uh, things like we were just talking about Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Um, are we going to have a chat with that game as well, or is this going to be kind of uh, from software to software? Nintendo hasn't really released a lot of official details on it. I'm sure we'll hear a little bit more at E3 um, during the Nintendo stuff, and even the Splatoon 2 release. They have mentioned that they're going to have you know some pro gaming stuff happening at the, at the conference, uh, specific to Splatoon 2. So I'm sure we'll see a little bit more of it, but yeah, it is once again it is a third party that the actual headsets for. It's by Hori H O R I. If you want to uh, kind of research it and see what it looks like, we're going to have a graphic on our video. So if you're listening to this audio-wise, you'll be able to see it on the video side as to what it looks like and kind of the whole connection contraption that we were just talking about. It's it's crazy. Um, you'll probably immediately start looking at your own um, devices to see what you're going to deal with as far as power goes with your phone, um, your Wi-Fi networks, and all that stuff. But yeah, it's a, it's a cool little headset. Um, but we'll see uh, once it releases, and it'll be interesting to see where we come in the fall from something Nintendo. I mentioned Nintendo releases something official from it. So positive and negative, depending on how you want to look at it. The one thing that I want to mention about it and where I kind of feel like it makes the only positive um, is that if you're taking your Switch on the go and you're in a place where you can't have Wi-Fi um, and you do want to chat with your friends and still, your phone's going to be kind of that service, your your uh, your service provider, whether it be Sprint, AT&T, uh, T-Mobile, whatever it is, they'll be able to communicate you with your friends uh, through that service. So that's the positive from it. I wish the uh, you, you could Bluetooth with your phone or something like every other device that exists today. Um, and, you know, your Switch as well. Um, it has Bluetooth features that you can use from there. So it, it's kind of, um, we're still dealing with that, but, you know, it, it is what it is for now. It's, it's the first device that's coming from us, so hopefully there's more. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I'm a little intrigued by Splatoon 2. I, I didn't play a lot of Splatoon 1. I, I wanted to and just never got to it, so I've been looking forward to Splatoon 2. And, um, yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you said, so don't need to rehash it. The, the one thing I was thinking about as you were talking is I, I think PSN and Xbox Live have gotten a reputation for, you know, most people being in parties with their friends. And if you go to game chat, it can be <laughs> simply hard at times, right? You get some really negative people and horrible things said. So with Nintendo having the uh, having a younger player base and uh, you know a lot of kids playing, and it'll be really interesting if they if they do do game chat in these games. You know the type of interactions that may occur. I, I can only imagine. So we'll see how that turns out. Either way, a um, couple other just a uh, couple other news things. It's been obviously a heavy kind of couple weeks in news. So uh, we're trying to get through everything here, but. Um, a couple days ago, we finally saw the first look at uh, Need for Speed, 
the, the return of Need for Speed. Uh, it's called Payback. And uh, immediately the vibe of the game was a Fast and Furious style. You know, it looks like they're taking some of the vibe from that movie franchise and putting it into the game. So, Bert, I know you uh, you covered this for the site. You kind of did the, you know, watch the live reveal and put up an article on, uh, on our site for it. So uh, thoughts on that one? Yeah, so I want to start by... Uh prefacing a little bit about um, the prefacing a little bit about the the whole need for speed franchise in general um, I'm it's very hit and miss for me um, some of the games that have come out recently are kind of major meh um, the most recent one that came out I really did not enjoy it at all um, the one before that I believe it was called need for speed rivals I actually did enjoy it. that was a launch game for ps4 and Xbox one a lot of fun however it didn't have long legs to play in Sure. It, it just it was fun for about 30 hours, and after that, you're done. Um, specific to Payback, um, from what I've seen in, in the trailer so far, it looks really cool. Um, one of the things that I mentioned in the article is that the the uh, the developer Ghost Games, as far as that developer goes, there's a lot of previous software that they have developed as far as people from those teams that keeps me really interested in where this game is going. So if you love Project Gotham Racing, some of the team from there is, is in Ghost Games now. Um, if you liked other games like the original Forza Horizon, some of the, the, the players are there as well, or some of the developers are there. And the last one that, um, if you like previous Need for Speed games, is Need for Speed The Run. So hopefully they're kind of taking a little of the best games from there into it. We still have yet to see any gameplay. Um, we've only seen the trailer. Um, they're taking away the uh, in-person, um, I should say, the, the video in there that, where they have the uh, videos in between your races is gone. They're all gonna render everything with the Frostbite engine. So let's hope that looks good. Um, from what I see, the damage has been kind of, the damage and destruction from what maybe you played in previous games like Burnout um, is looking very similar. Um, and it looks really cool from the effects with the fire and glass flying everywhere um, and explosions, that those are looking really cool. But um, I think we're gonna see a lot more from them at E3. I'm pretty sure we're gonna see some gameplay. And at that point, I'll be able to make a, a bigger judgment on if it looks awesome or not. You can only see so much from those announcement trailers, but it looks fun. I'm just not sold on it just yet due to their previous games that have come out. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, there's some Need for Speed games that I loved. I, I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of us older guys uh, like us that go back on uh, you know the original Need for Speed Need for Speed 2 on PC you know it was first place you could use like the McLaren and uh, Bugatti and those cars um, and then Porsche Unleashed you know Porsche Unleashed I loved of course being a Porsche fan um, I did find it interesting of course that they definitely are playing to car guys like us with the the lead car the the cover car being a Skyline R34 and uh, you know car guys will know what that is of course but um, yeah, I, I'm like you. I need to see gameplay. Um, it is interesting the development behind it, as you said. You know, they've got a good group of developers there, which is really important in racing games. Um, in any game, really, obviously. But I think in racing games, there's that certain pedigree where certain racing titles are just they have longevity, and other ones just fall off right away. So we'll see. And I, I yeah, going back to E3, I think uh, you know EA play next weekend with uh, with all their titles. So I think we'll definitely see more of this at that point too. And then uh, last thing we we're going to touch on is uh, just a quick update on Gears of War 4. Uh, they announced yesterday this uh, Rise of the Horde update. So we commented before about how the Coalition continues to release free updates just like, you know, um, 343 did with Halo. This one's a really large update. It includes a complete, well, not a complete overhaul of Horde, but a whole bunch of additions. So new skills for all the character classes. 
Um, two new maps coming back, one from uh, Gears 2, one from Gears 3. So Avalanche from Gears 2, which is if you're a Gears fan, is a huge fan favorite. So that's really cool. And then Russ Lung from Gears 3, which is a little less cool. <laughs> um, I didn't see too many people excited about that one, but Avalanche is huge. Uh, some new characters, you know, the Carmine brothers are coming back. That's that's huge as well for fans of Gears. And, um, you know, just, just continual updates to the game. They just finished their weapon tuning, and they also announced uh, yesterday, community manager announced that um, they are working on changing up the, the way Horde works with the waves, so adding some variety into the enemies you face and things. So it's uh, that game just continues to get better and better. They're really working hard at it, and they, um, you know, it's... I love it. Obviously, I've got gear stuff right behind me here, so it um, it's it's good to see that that support's not slowing down. Yeah, and we, you know, us personally, we love gears. We've been playing it since Gears One, um, and it's kind of cool that the developer has focused a lot on um, you know, the standard multiplayer stuff. Uh, they've had tons of maps that have come through, tons of skins, characters coming. Um, and now we're getting a whole bunch of Horde stuff. So I, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Horde is a lot of fun when you play with your friends and even some strangers, even though they can drive you crazy sometimes with constantly <laughs> building weird things. I remember we played once and the guy just kept up, kept building with a fence or something. <laughs> it, it didn't make any sense to us. It's like, why do you keep building that wall? Like, uh, using all our money. But uh, it, it's fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure that'll bring us right back into getting some of our friends together and getting a full squad for Horde. All right, well, that's it for news this week. Um, we do keep a lot of our news updated on our site. It's just we there's so much news coming before E3 that we can only cover so much on our vidcast. So if you're looking for more news, um, we keep up to date on our site. Uh, it'll actually be at the front page, and you'll be able to see a lot, a lot of it there. Uh, moving over to developer news, um, we'll touch on a few uh, developer studios that are doing some interesting things. Um, the first one I wanted to talk about was Platinum Games. Um, if you're not familiar with Platinum Games, they've worked on Near Automata. That's their most recent game that has actually done awesome. They just released uh, news that it is, has been officially a success, um, which is, uh, I think they've million units now. Yeah, 1.5 million was the word just this week, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, well. Um, and so for them, that's a big deal, especially for that kind of genre. The, the JRPG um, is, um, it's, doesn't usually sell a ton of units because um, it's you know, only certain people play, but the fact that it's doing so well is great. Um, but the main news from Platinum Games is um, through an interview that just came out this week um, from Source Gaming, um, Bayonetta 3 may be on the way, and it might be even in the works already, just extremely tight-lipped on it. Um, for people that uh, love Bayonetta 1, that was initially on PlayStation, um, and you were able to kind of do a ton of stuff on that. And then Bayonetta 2, unfortunately, only came out on the Wii U. So if you didn't have a Wii U, if you kind of skipped it, you missed a great game. Um, if you still have a Wii U and looking for it, uh, Bayonetta 1 and 2 are kind of found in a bundle if you bought one of the first prints of the game. But um, So it's, it's kind of cool to uh, hear from Platinum Games that they might be bringing um, a third version of that, or sorry, a third part to that game. Um, and another part of that release is that they mentioned that they're not going to stick to just Nintendo this time. So... Um, also, one of the other cool things about Platinum Games that's happened recently is Bayonetta 1 released on PC, um, and you were able to play that in uh, 60 frames per second, um, and the, the graphics were kind of refreshed on that, so it's kind of cool to see that. And along with the same vein of being able to play that on PC, Platinum Games is also looking at releasing some of their other games, and even potentially Bayonetta 3 on PC um, at launch, and they're not going to wait longer than that. So 
Some good news from um, Platinum Games, um, and it's always cool to see what they release. They release a ton of just great software that's really action-packed and a lot of cool things from there. Um, I know you have Nier on your radar in the near future. Um, what are your views on Platinum Games and their news? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't have a whole lot to add here. I uh, wasn't a big... Not that I wasn't a big Bayonetta fan, I just didn't get to the games. Um, Nier, we've heard good things about. We commented on uh, last BitCast that, you know, we've got some friends who just adore it. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting that in the future as well. I'm actually kind of pleased that summer has looked pretty dry in terms of releases. You know, it's only a couple things I'm looking at. So it'll give me time to catch up on some of these titles that I need to finish and, and want to play like Nier. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's all good news. Platinum seems like a, a good development group, good company, and uh, good to see a game like Nier that's really kind of a very unique game, niche game, doing well. Um, and then uh, Bayonetta 3, obviously, especially if it came to all platforms, I think would be a hit. You know, as you said, Bayonetta 2 on Wii U was uh, was a big, big announcement for Wii U at the time, but of course it left a lot of players out in the cold because Wii U didn't really sell well, so... Um, but other developer news <clears throat> we were going to touch on, too, is, uh, you know, we touched on the delay of uh, Final Fantasy VII's remake, and uh, there was some news on the development side of it this week, which was that CyberConnect2, the company that was kind of handling some of the development previously, um, has now been uh, kind of... <laughs> Square Enix has brought the development of Final Fantasy VII to remake back in-house. So I think that, um, you know, maybe they were using them to kind of get the structure built, but now they've really got to do the, the hardcore development on it. I'm not really sure why they didn't give a reason, but kind of found that interesting. I think it may go back to what we were talking about with this game being so high profile and so revered that it needs to be done by, you know, done right. And if I recall correctly, someone may tell me I'm wrong on this, but... I believe they've tapped the lead developer of the Final fi Final Fantasy. Is it Morpheus? Um, the the iOS Final Fantasy is that what it's called? I, don't, I can't uh, remember um, on that one. Yeah, yeah. sorry guys. Um, it, it's something like that. Um, but the iOS Final Fantasy, the lead developer of that, I believe, is the guy who's been tapped to lead the development in house on this uh, on this remake. So that's uh, that's some interesting news as well. But um, we'll see. I, again, I think this is just about quality and getting to make sure that the game is right. Yeah, and uh, I do have a, a little quote from the guy that we're interviewing on this, and and I quote here, it's, they were moved uh, to the uh, cyber, from, I, let me start real quick, from CyberConnect2 back to Square Enix on this one, it was to improve quality when the game goes live and to maintain a stable release schedule. So you can kind of take that for whatever you want on that one. I, I'm curious if a lot of the delays and how we're not maybe even seeing Final Fantasy VII Remake until 2019, 2020 due to some developments taking longer than expected and some of the changes and kind of Square Enix wanting to kind of take the reins again to make sure that their games are releasing when they want to release them and they're not going to be kind of uh, held back from other developers that are not in-house. So we'll see what that means um, and we'll see if we get more from Square Enix on this game. So, uh, okay, so that's our developer news for this week. I, we are going to kind of introduce a new little section because um, with the uh, the news that's coming out for E3 and fake news in general, as we hear all the time, uh, we added a new section to our uh, bidcast called Rumors and Fake News. Uh, so, kind of the first stuff that we're going to talk about is more from Nintendo. We're kind of talking a lot about Nintendo today, but. Um, this past week, actually, there was a screenshot that released for Super Smash Brothers uh, that was on the Wii U. Um, and the rumor from that was is that we were going to be getting port from uh, Wii U to the Switch uh, with Brothers Wii U version. Um, that has since come out and been confirmed as fake. So we're not going to be actually seeing that as far as a c official confirmed announcement from Nintendo. Um, so kind of good or bad, um, the, there was a whole bunch of 
of issues with the screenshot that didn't make sense for the Switch console. Um, so that has been confirmed fake. Um, other news that um, has been confirmed fake, but also some good news from it, is the new Assassin's Creed game. There was a trailer that leaked, quote, leaked, um, even though it was not an official leak. Um, for the new Assassin's Creed game, uh, Assassin's Creed Origins, um, the trailer has been confirmed fake from Ubisoft. Um, however, there was a t-shirt uh, that was taken with pictures, and at the front, you have the main character. His name is Bayek. Um, and he looks really cool from what we see so far. It's um, kind of, they're taking the Egyptian theme this time. Um, and they had the official logo for the Assassin's Creed game. And so um, that has not been confirmed from the developer in any form whatsoever, but it does appear to be uh, legit from the t-shirt side of it. Um, with E3 only a couple weeks away, we'll get some more information if that's what he's really gonna look like. So um, a little bit of confirmed fake and then not really confirmed either way whatsoever on the Assassin's Creed Origins. Um, other rumors that are coming out and have been swirling for a long time are the SNES Classic. Um, we have not heard a thing from Nintendo on it, aside from the NES that was um, production a couple months ago. Um, we are expecting something from them potentially this fall. Fall of 2017 is the current rumor. Um, once again, no confirmation from Nintendo, and I'm really not sure if we're going to hear much from them at E3 uh, regarding the SNES Classic launching in the fall. but. Hopefully, we'll see something from them. Yeah, so just to touch on a few of these things, and I'll, I'll finish this up. Um, so <clears throat> with Assassin's Creed, yeah, the, the character Bayek, Bayek, I'm not sure how we're going to pronounce it, but that that definitely looked real and uh, looks interesting, right, because he's carrying a bow. Um, and with games like Zelda and, and Horizon Zero Dawn, it'll be interesting to see if the, the, the bow plays a large role in the, in the mechanics there when that releases. So again, probably see that next week at E3. Uh, SNES Classic, um, you know, I really wasn't interested in the NES uh, Classic only because I have a lot of those games and, um, you know, it wasn't something that interested me. The SNES I, I might be uh, interested in simply because that's one of my favorite consoles of all time. So uh, I'd be interested to see if that does come and what games they include on it. And if, you know, if they, if again, it's limited production or if they, uh, I would say, wise enough and, uh, you know, make as many as they can sell. So we'll see. Um just a couple other things we had on here, right? So uh, from software, uh, obviously famous for Souls games now and Bloodborne. We talked before about Bloodborne 2 being potentially, you know, or hoping, I think, that uh, that gets shown at uh, this year's E3 conference for Sony. But uh, a rumor came out, and, and we have no way to confirm, of course, but a rumor came out that they are working on something Souls-like uh, that has to do with a uh, martial arts theme, and that may be their next game rather than, say, Bloodborne 2. So, well, you know, maybe we'll see something next week at E3. Who knows? But, uh, you know, more to come on that one. And then lastly, uh, New Dragon Age. And I don't think this is, uh, I think we can actually consider this confirmed at this point, right? There were some rumors swirling around around uh, a, a New Dragon Age coming. I believe a writer came out and said that, you know, Dragon Age is being worked on in Bioware. Um, whether or not that's a follow-up to Inquisition or if they just call it, you know, whatever they're going to call it. Maybe it's a new standalone game. But um, that could be really interesting. I really enjoyed uh, Dragon Age Origins. I thought it was a great classic role-playing game. Dragon Age 2, I never played. It, it wasn't really my style. They went away from too much of the, what was good in the original. But Inquisition, I loved as well. Um, you know, I think it had some faults. But uh, as a game itself, I thought it was great. And I played all through that as well. So I'm looking forward to hearing more news about Dragon Age. Yeah, Dragon Age uh, Inquisition, I loved too. Because it was at that time where there wasn't really a ton of huge RPGs on PS4 and Xbox One. And I, man, I dove into that game. I think I have almost 130 hours in that game. So... 
Uh, looking to hear more from Bioware on it. Um, the story kind of leaked in a funny way. That it was the writer, as you mentioned, and he mentioned he was working on a story in one of the worlds in it. Um, I, but it's not an official um, confirmation. As to, obviously, we also don't know exactly when it's going to release, so we might hear something from Bioware at E3 uh, once again. But um, nothing else on that one. So still, still a rumor, almost confirmation on that one. Um, but Bioware hasn't said it's Dragon Age Four. Uh, Dragon Age with another name uh, besides the number four. So we'll see. All right, well, that wraps it up for rumors and fake news. There's a whole bunch of other stuff happening right now uh, with, like we said, E3, just stuff leaking out almost daily. But uh, th those are the big ones we've heard from this week. Um, and let's move it over to upcoming releases for the start of June. So uh, Tekken 7, um, it did release, I believe, yesterday. So June 2nd, the Tekken 7 did release on, on this past Friday. Um, it is out for Xbox One, PS4, and PC. Um, hopefully, for the Tekken fans, they're going to like this one. I've heard a lot of good things about it. It's been reviewed pretty well. And it seems like we have a very uh, heavy fighter uh, year this year for fighters in general. So people that love Tekken, Seven's finally here. Uh, Elder Scrolls Online Morrowind. So this one, a lot of people have been waiting for if you're an Elder Scrolls fan. This is also coming out on PS4, PC, and Xbox One. Uh, this does release on June 6th, so coming up right around the corner depending on when you're listening. Nintendo's big game um, that is for the, the first release of the big game from Nintendo of, of the summer is ARMS. It's coming out on June 16th. So if you have played the, the demo or slash beta, I should say, um, it's a lot of people you mentioned, Ains, you've, you've, uh, you've played it recently and you had a little bit of fun with it. So that's right around the corner on June 16th. Um, Final Fantasy Stormblood. Um, that's coming out on PC and PS4 at the moment. So um, that is uh, right around the corner as well. And a big one for me that I'm super excited for is Dirt 4. I loved uh, all the previous Dirts um, that have come out um, from Codemasters. That is Xbox One, PS4, and PC. That is also June 6th. Um, unfortunately, I'm traveling this week for work, so I won't be able to pick that one up right away, but that game. Yeah, that, I loved uh, all the previous Dirts, you said. <laughs> it's just a funny statement to make, but... Um... Yeah, just to comment on some of these releases real quick, Tekken 7 is, you know, it's been in the arcade for a while. I know people have been looking forward to that one. It's not a game I still play nowadays, but, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of a lot of fans out there for that, so that's a big one. Elder Scrolls Morrowind is um, probably the largest expansion yet for Elder Scrolls Online, and they went to Morrowind. That is a, a beloved uh, game in the Elder Scrolls line, uh, and... You know, this is a this is a big thing for them. So it'll be interesting to see if that player base of Elder Scrolls Online takes a you know sharp rise up and how long they stay with that. Uh, supposedly, I think just in quests alone, there's 20 to 30 hours of content, and then never mind all the other things they're adding with the game. So that's a huge one. And then, um, yeah, just to touch on Arms really quick, uh, played in the uh, test punch they're calling it. So they're having this kind of on and off open beta. It's like a server stress test, if you will. And I played in that last week and uh, it was interesting. It's a very, very unique game. And uh, I got into a few matches where it was one-on-one-on-one. -on -one -on -one. So you have three people in this small arena and you know, you can uh, just the, the battle mechanics are really interesting. So I, I don't know, again, I don't know, and I said this before and just seeing videos of, I don't know where the longevity is in that game. If there's uh, you know a long, kind of tail in terms of things you can unlock for each character or leveling or you know what the draw is going to be um but we'll, we'll have to see how that one turns out there is another uh test this weekend so this is june uh, 2nd 3rd and 4th the times uh of those on and off tests are on our site so if you need to know what those are we have the full thing from nintendo on there just look it up um but yeah give it a shot let us know what you think 
Yeah, I like your pun there with the longevity of arms. That's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> regarding arms, I, I've mentioned it before. I wasn't quite sure if it was more of a like a, a Wii Sports type game, but the more I hear about it, and I've only played one match on that game. I, I've been traveling a lot and haven't had a chance to play too much. And um, it actually looks really fun and, and really cool. I like the little the slight RPG um, aspect of it um, where you can upgrade things with your fighters and stuff. So we'll see. We'll see if it does well. Okay, so coming up on our next section of our BitCast today is uh, collectibles and what we're currently playing. Um, Ains, I see in your background you may have a new item there. Uh, what, what do you have for us today? <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, this is an interesting one. So over here on my left is uh, the new 1 to 3 scale Sub-Zero statue from PCS Collectibles. They are known uh, pretty widely in the statue community up there with, you know, Sideshow and Prime One and a few others. You can see the Saget up here behind me. That's a PCS, uh, wherever the camera is, that's a PCS uh, collectible as well. And then Sideshow is the Master Chief here above me. But this Sub-Zero is uh, really interesting. Uh, it's almost become a joke among uh, me and my friends, as you know. It I ordered it, and this is not a joke for the BitCast. I ordered it two and a half years ago. Um it, it has been delayed just over and over and over again. It finally came this week. I will say, despite the delays, it's, it's really, really impressive. You can't really tell the scale here, but to give you an idea, this Master Chief statue here is about two feet tall. It's very large, and this Sub-Zero is about two and a half feet. It's actually 30 inches top to bottom, um, and the detail on it is just magnificent. So it weighs a ton. I couldn't even put it on one of these shelves because it, I, it just felt too heavy. Um, so it's uh, it's really, really neat, the designs on it. So, I mean, uh, you know, the, the weight for these things when you order them, if it, anyone in that realm or statue collecting is watching, is ridiculous, as, as you know. Um, but when they do come, I will say it is it is a pretty cool occasion. So I'm loving it. It actually plugs in, and his old uh, ice ball there in his hand lights up. I'm not going to get up and do that right now, but it, it looks really neat at night. And, uh, you know, the detail on the spine and uh, the blood and his clothes and everything is just fantastic. So really cool stuff. You know, I'm glad it finally came. I really like these, these big statues and the detail that goes into them. So, again, if you're a video game nut with some... Uh, they're not cheap, so with some spare money to spend, um, these things are, are really neat. And they really, really, um, if you can afford them, the detail and the quality that goes into them uh, above, like your normal, even $50 or $100 figure is, uh, you know, really noticeable. And to confirm, Ains, uh, did you get the exclusive version? So what are the differences? I know you like to get the exclusives of each one of them. Um, is that an exclusive, Sub-Zero? Yeah, in fact, I think... Uh, I think everyone here behind me is exclusive. So it is, I, I can't remember, it's been two and a half years, right? I erased it from my memory, so I don't remember what the exclusive feature is. It might be the light-up ice ball, um, so maybe that was it. I don't actually recall. It is the exclusive, uh, and I have, it's actually, uh, they only made um, 150, I believe, of these, or 350. I can't remember. It's a pretty small lot size, but that's number 21, so I was one of the first people to order it, which is pretty neat. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't remember what the ex uh, exclusive feature is. For instance, on the Master Chief here above me, that's the exclusive. And the exclusive feature for him is he's holding the Needler. So he has the assault rifle and a normal Magnum, but the exclusive also has the Needler. So things like that are pretty neat as well. Very cool. Yeah, I have the Master Chief as well. Let me see if I can find the camera. And I, ha I do not have the exclusive. He's just carrying the, uh, the rifle here. So um uh, what are you currently playing? What are what are your games that you have in your consoles at the moment? 
Um, so I, uh, I finished Prey and put the review up on the site, as I said in our last big cast. So uh, I've already kind of commented on how much I love that game, but adore it. Um, I finished Little Nightmares, which was a, uh, you know, a game uh, similar in the vein to Inside. It's a 2D kind of side-scrolling puzzle game. Short, only three to four hours to complete it. Uh, Speedrunners can do it in less than an hour, but um, I still highly recommend it. The art style and, and just the... Uh, the ending was really cool too. There's just some, you know, things about it. if you like those type of games, they're they're great. And then right now I've been playing some other things. So I commented on Arms. You know, I tried that out. I actually tried Marvel Heroes Omega last week on the on the PS4. That is, um, it, it's kind of like a um, isometric uh, ARPG in the Marvel universe. So it's really interesting in that sense. Like I built a Punisher and did some missions, and it plays almost like a Marvel Diablo, which is kind of you know, kind of strange, but it, it did surprise me. I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. So I think that, uh, and like I've said before, I love games with loot. So that game seems to have a really cool loot uh, table, uh, lots of things to find, and you can play with your friends and you can create parties easily in the game. So that's that's really neat. And then um, playing a ton of Injustice still. I adore the game. We touched on that before, right? We're both playing it. It's It's magnificent probably one of the best fighters ever. It may end up being my favorite fighter ever in time um, just because of so many things. And, and really quick on that, I, I don't want to take too much time on it, but I've noticed some, um, there's, because of the way you access the game, you know, the, the menu system in the game, there's so many features that things are getting overlooked. And I've actually heard some comments uh, on message boards. I've seen some podcasts this week from game guys in the industry even making mistakes about the game. Uh, and what's included in it. For instance, I heard a podcast this week saying it would be really neat if NetherRealm would add a mode where it would teach you how to play each character. Well, that's in the game. It's not easy to get to or find, but there is. You can go to uh, each character, and there's a way to set up the game where um, it takes you step-by-step step through every special move of the character, common combos, uh, things to look out for, special moves, uh, meter moves, you know, and you can do that with every single character in the game. Every single character in the game also has a story mode, which uh, you know most people don't know as well. So you can play a, a mode with them where you, you beat five characters, and there's an actual character ending unique to every character in the game. So I think um, if you're playing Injustice 2 and you're unaware of these things or unaware of all the features it contains, definitely dive in a little bit because there, there's a lot more below the surface there that people are missing. And then um, lastly, I, I, uh, I, I've started playing Last of Us again. Um, you know, since I got a PlayStation 4 Pro and I upgraded my TV this year to uh, the OLED and I wanted to go back and see what Last of Us looked like with the Pro patch and the, the 4K and the 60 frames, and it's magnificent. Um, the smoothness of it is great. The detail is so far beyond what the original PlayStation 3 version. Um, so I've loved going back to it. As you know, it's one of my favorite games of all time. So started playing that again, getting all the collectibles and stuff, and um, it's it's really fun to go back to. Yeah, it's kind of crazy about Last of Us is that that was a game on the PS3, um, and it's been tuned initially for the PS4, and uh, got some upgrades with sound and, and uh, graphics and stuff, and now the Pro's out, and they even upgraded even more. So um, if you're blown away with that right now, imagine what Last of Us 2 will look like whenever that releases, so I, I can't wait for that. Um, one thing I wanted to follow up on, you mentioned um, about the Marvel game is, and this is something I honestly don't know, is that kind of the evolution of where we've come to from the Marvel Ultimate Alliance games, or is it a whole different kind of game? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, we have, you know, as you know, we have a good buddy who loved the Marvel Ultimate Alliance games, and it, the look of it is the same. It plays from that kind of top quarter uh, 
isometric view and it plays very similar so like for instance I'm using Punisher and you have uh, two core abilities a roll and then as you level up the character you unlock additional abilities so I had like a grenade toss and some uh, auto reloads for my M60 and things like that um, <clears throat> it's a lot deeper I've kind of told some people who like Marvel Ultimate Alliance which was more like I would say an action game this is more like an action role-playing game so you're you're building a character you're only playing one character, so you go through a prologue, and it gives you these source crystals because it is a free-to-play game. And so, you know, as with most free-to-play games, right, they kind of limit your access to certain things. And if you want to unlock other things, you either have to play a ton or spend some money. So what happens is you play through this prologue. They give you um, this number of, uh, I don't know if it's called source crystals. I don't remember the name, to be honest with you. Um, but it gives you essentially enough to unlock one character. So I look through, and I'm a big Punisher fan, so I unlock Punisher. And then um, that's the character you focus on. So think of it like building a character in Diablo. You wouldn't play him for a couple hours and then play someone else, right? You're going to invest tens and hundreds of hours into that character. So you go all the way up to level 60 and you, and you unlock all these other abilities and you get all this different loot and you have loot for your head and your arms and your legs. And, and it's unique to each character. And I believe there's like eight levels of rarity of the loot. So it's like I said, it's quite deep. And then apparently once you get to level 60 on your character, they're, they're, it opens up a lot of end game stuff. So it has like uh, gems and some other like, you know, uh, character building around skills and stuff. I, I couldn't tell you all the details, but it plays like Marvel Ultimate Alliance, but it's a lot deeper in terms of loot and character building. So I think it may satisfy that that um, want. You know, we never got Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, so it may satisfy that, but... I'd caution people to say they just want an action game, you know, just something to goof around in. It, it, it's a little different than that. You're actually doing missions and building a character. So, but it, it does look like something that's going to be a lot of fun in a party with friends and you can party up with people online easily. And it's got a hub central space similar to, you know, a lot of people are familiar with destiny, right? So similar to the tower, you kind of go to the Avengers ship and there's all real players kind of running around and you can party up with people and stuff. So it's, it's neat. Like I said, it surprised me. I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did. Very cool. I'm gonna have to give that a try once, once I get some time. Um, so my, my collectibles this week are, are limited again. Um, I've been traveling, like I mentioned, but I did want to show off uh, this Zelda art and artifacts book that I recently picked up. And for people that are watching again on video, you can see how big this book is. Um, it is massive and it has more than, uh, God, just to give you a page count, about 400 pages. And what's inside of it is uh, art and stuff from Zelda games. So I, I picked this up um, initially due to the uh, how excited I was for Breath of the Wild. And you can see a lot of the stuff that are in here. And what it does is it goes through every single one of the Zelda releases. And it shows art from the game, um, some of the weapons that uh, Link had in the game that you could unlock and, um, and pick up all over the place. The quality of the pages and the images are amazing. Um, the fan, I highly recommend picking it up. Um, I picked it up for about 25 bucks at Costco of all places. Um, I do know the MSRP on it's 40 bucks, but I have also seen it on sale um, on Amazon. So if you're interested in it, awesome book to have. It's, it's a great uh, coffee table book to kind of have, or even if you want to keep it in your collection or whatever the case is, it's, it's a really neat book. So I highly suggest it. Um, the games that I'm currently playing is, um, after your suggestion, Ains, I picked up Prey um, on Xbox One, so I'm not playing on the Pro. That's got a tiny bit more stuff after they released the recent patch. But uh, I like what I'm playing so far. Uh, for people that haven't played Prey, um, if you like Bioshock, um, it is very similar to Bioshock as far as the 
uh, atmosphere and where you're walking around and some of the uh, even some of the game mechanics are pretty similar. So I like what I'm playing so far. I'm only about a solid hour and a half in. So I, I can't judge it too much on a extremely crazy positive or extremely crazy negative. So um, I'm going to try to get through as much as I can. I'm traveling again this week, so I have to shelve it until I get back. Um, and, and the other one is Injustice. So um, I, we talked about this before. Uh, I'm a huge DC guy, um, and I love what I'm seeing too. The funny thing was Ains told me a couple weeks ago about the story mode for each character, and I didn't even know that, and I've been following the game um, pretty closely with all the developer has kind of mentioned with uh, each player that release and stuff and um it is amazing I, i've been hooked on it um i've leveled up a number of characters to uh, higher levels obviously i only have one level 20 character right now but um if you're into fighters whatsoever i would give it a try it may not be your style maybe you're more of a street fighter person um or if you're just into comics um from the dc side the character um, stuff that's in there as far as customization is kind of mind-blowing to me that you can kind of make your own Joker, Superman, Batman, or whatever, and kind of customize them the way you want. And is just, uh, or she looks, is really cool. I have a really high-leveled Harley Quinn that just has awesome uh, armors and stuff. So really enjoy that game, and um, I'm having a hard time putting it down. I'm traveling a bit uh, for work and personal right now, and I've taken my Switch on the road. And uh, I've been working on Mario Kart um, eight deluxe again I've, I've played the um, wii u version and i literally unlocked everything um including the 200 class uh, courses so it's kind of fun to be doing it again um, i'm not getting as much fun as i did before because i'm essentially doing everything that i already did all over again solo um with racing so you can only do that so many times on an airplane before you just kind of need to take a break so i'll kind of touch on that in a future article um on some of the remakes that are coming from nintendo but uh that's what I'm currently playing. Um, anything else for you, Ains, before we move on? <clears throat> no, I, I, you know, going back real quick to Injustice about the story mode, it, I, it is interesting because uh, some of these modes, you know, I didn't even know as well playing it that they had the tutorial with each character that would teach you the combos and the special moves and the combo meter moves uh, with each character either. I kind of to stumble upon it. So I, I don't know. I think out of everything NetherRealm did right with the game, which is nearly everything because it's amazing, um, I think they could have done a better job with that that menu of showing people where to go and, and how to learn the game, you know, more intuitively. So, um, but no, that's that's uh, that's about it for me. Cool. Well, um, I did want to talk about our main topic uh, today. Um, and with a crazy news week, we had a ton of news for you guys. So we're going to have a little shorter of a main topic. But um, last week we talked about E3 and we went through each major news conference that um, was to be expected. And we kind of gave you the times and dates of when they were happening. Um, what we wanted to do is give you more of a generalization on E3 on what our thoughts are and the conference in general. So we're not going to break down exactly a specific conference from Sony, Microsoft, or Nintendo, but what are our views are. So the first question I wanted to kind of ask is, what is uh, the thing that you like the most? And if you're watching this on YouTube or some, leave your comments as well. Uh, but we're just going to go through ours. Um, and like I said, the first one is, what do you enjoy the most that happens at E3 in general? So why don't you start it out, Ains, and I'll, I'll follow up. Yeah, I mean, my, my favorite thing is, and it's probably for a lot of people, right? It's just surprise announcements. Um, we usually nowadays have a pretty good idea of what games are coming. You know, it's it's relatively rare to get a surprise game, especially a new IP um, out of uh, out of E3. But I just, I like being surprised. You know, I think the, uh, the big thing that came out last year was uh, backwards compatibility. You know, Microsoft really kind of stunned the crowd with that one. Um, you know, Sony with God of War was a was a huge thing. I love stuff like that. I love just tuning in, 
getting comfortable, love E3, my favorite time of the year as a gamer, and uh, just watching and saying, oh, you know, oh, wow, you know, just being kind of shocked and seeing new stuff. So that's my, that's by far my favorite thing. I, I, I especially like, too, when rumors actually prove to be false. <laughs> I, I don't like, you know, knowing everything going into E3. So I love when there's like a big rumor and it's getting a lot of press and a lot of people are talking about it. And then one of these big companies just comes out and basically trashes that rumor and shows us something uh, that's real, but even better than the rumor. You know what I mean? I think that's that's a good time as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly with you, but I was going to add uh, to a slightly different thing. Um, so, yeah, I also like uh, when we see surprises and things like that. But on the same vein of surprises, I like when a developer or a console manufacturer comes out and gives you the surprise and then tells you that it's available tomorrow or, you know, in, at 12 o'clock noon, same day that you can go try this new feature, whether it be maybe a UI change. Uh, or it'd be a DLC that they were waiting to make live on Amazon or something the second they announce it. So I, I like stuff that's announced, and then you can do it right away. Uh, it seems like we're teased so much with these new games that are coming out for whatever console or developer, and we don't see it for two or three, four, five, even six years. Um, so those are fun. I like seeing that, but at the same time, I, I dislike it at the same time. Um, because you get super excited about something. God of War, is, uh, you just mentioned as, a, as an example, that that's actually supposed to be you know, coming way down the road. So you get so excited for God of War, you even maybe play some of the previous ones to kind of get up, caught up with where you were, um, or to the new game releasing, and you're not seeing it for another few years. Um, so that's my, my biggest thing that I like a lot, is the stuff that you can do tomorrow after, after E3. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, I if rumors are to be true, a big one that people have been waiting for for Xbox is Cuphead. Got a ton of press a couple years ago, and people have been following it. And it was supposed to come out early this year, and it got another delay. And all they've said in, in recent months has been, we're coming out in summer, and they've been pretty definitive about that. So with it seems kind of weird to me that there's been no news from that studio or Microsoft about it for the past few months, other than we know it's coming in summer. So it would not surprise me to see that be the game for Microsoft where they say, you know, they're going to show Cuphead, it's done, go get it. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, Cuphead looks fantastic. Me and you are huge fans of it. Um, it's going to be fun to do co-op once we get to it. The the difficulty might push some people away. However, I love that kind of stuff. Uh, even the videos that we released, I'm, I'm wondering how they're dodging all that stuff shooting at them. So I can't wait to play it, and the art style is mind-blowing to me. So I, I can't wait to get my hands on it. I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I love hardcore shooters where it feels like you're going to die at every instant. Just bring it on. <laughs> you're puckering the whole time, dodging something. So, uh, <laughs> so um, our next question, um, what is your favorite game from an E3 that was announced but either got canceled or never released or has yet to release? What's what's yours, Ains? <laughs> so, uh, again, I tend to do this, right, because I'm old. Uh, I'm going... <laughs> going way back uh and this one will will stick a, a dagger into uh, xbox fans for sure but true fantasy live online it's been uh you know 14 years i'm still bitter about it so this was a game that was going to be a mmo for the original xbox um looked like final fantasy basically 14 does nowadays it looked like a you know mmo in the final fantasy vein uh it got if, Man, I'm going in the memory banks here, but I it, I believe it got debuted in Tokyo, Tokyo Game Show, if I recall correctly, and it was supposed to be a big feature for E3 going back to 2004, maybe 2003, 2004, and this it got a ton of press. It was in the cover of you know Xbox Magazine and uh, you know 
a lot of hype around it. It was going to be a big system seller and everything. And out of nowhere, you know, Microsoft just pulled the plug. So, and we never heard about it again. It, it's something that still to this day, so many years later, you know, if you're on uh, Xbox threads or talking about canceled games or, you know, it still gets mentioned. And that's why I bring it up because it's almost kind of funny at this point that it's still talked about. Um, but it was really bad at the time because it was playable. People had played it. They said the game was near complete, but there was just some complications with the integration of it uh, on an online scale. So no one really knows the true story. I, w I wish they would come out with some sort of uh, book or, you know, documentary to, to tell the true story of what happened with that game. But that's definitely mine. It still sticks out. Yeah, so mine's kind of a funny one um, that has kind of been all over the place as far as dates go and announcements go. And it's uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2. So Beyond Good and Evil 1 initially came out on, on the, gosh, that was the X, the original Xbox generation. Um, and dating back to 2008, they, the developer uh, had been interviewed and said, oh, it's in pre-production. It, it's been, they've been working on it for a year or so. Um, and then in 2009, they released a, a video of what uh, was Jade, who's the main character from Beyond Good and Evil, running through a city and dodging things and jumping to a helicopter. And people were super excited and everything. And then at one of the E3s, um, the Beyond Good and Evil 2 official trailer came out. So the uh, the gameplay that I'm talking about officially wasn't confirmed right away by the developer. A lot of people thought it was fake and wasn't real, but then the developer came out and this said that actually was real gameplay. Um, and then the trailer came out, like I said, which was official at an E3, and it had Jade and, uh, gosh, I can't remember the pig's name now that I think about it. Here I'm talking about my favorite character, or game, and I can't remember the characters. But they were sitting at a car on the side of the road, and Jade came out with an umbrella, and you see the pig character with a newspaper over his face and he blows it off or whatever and crowd went nuts everybody was super excited about beyond good and evil 2 and then we didn't hear a thing from them for a few years um and then people assumed it was canceled there was even uh, rumors that ubisoft had officially canceled the french uh the, the entire franchise in general um and then in 2012 again it came out that they were still in production um, with where the game was and they were still working on it and things were coming, but um, we still haven't heard anything. There's continued rumors that the game is being worked on for sure this time um, and that it will be released on Xbox One and PS4 and all the current gen consoles. So it comes out, but um, it has not been 100% officially canceled or 100% officially in production. It's in limbo. Um, I love the game. They re-released Beyond Good and Evil 1 as a, um, a remaster. Uh, Xbox One, PS4. So it'd be cool to see what, what comes from them. So, Ains, did you ever play that one? I can't remember if you had played that one or not. Yeah, I, I played it briefly. Um, I heard nothing but good things about it. I do own it. Uh, I started it, but I didn't get very far, and I hadn't gone back to it. So it's it's one of those. Um, I own the remaster, actually. Uh, it's one of those, I you know, <laughs> we say all the time, right, I want to go back and play, but there's just so many games. So maybe one day. Yeah. All right. Our last question on our main topic today, uh, specific to E3, is, um, and we've kind of talked on a few of the things already, but what are gimmicks or things that you absolutely despise at E3? What is something you dislike a lot? Yeah, so I was thinking about this, and I've got two that jump out immediately. One is rendered gameplay footage. Don't don't waste my time. Honestly, I we're at an age where graphics graphical fidelity is at a point where you know, we used to see a lot of these CGI trailers and they say, you know, this is what it looks like or, and, and DICE still does this. We've seen this with um, Battlefront 2 is game engine footage. That is completely meaningless to me. I don't, I don't care what you mean about game engine footage that is not running in an actual game environment. Um, 
on a platform, you know, and I, I, I don't like, there's some companies that are bad about this, some companies that don't do it, which I applaud. Um, but I really wish that they would just show actual running gameplay from a specific platform that they mentioned, right? So another trick they'll use here is they'll say, this is actual gameplay, but they're running it on a, you know, a $5,000 PC, right? And it's like, well, 1% of your consumers are going to play it at that level. What's it look like on the PS4, or Xbox one, you know? Um, so that drives me nuts. And uh, thankfully, I think with the kind of shaming of Ubisoft, right? Uh, Ubisoft got a lot of negative press about that over the years of showing things and then games coming out, not looking anything like what they showed at E3 and other conferences and some other companies. I think companies have gotten better about that. And that's actually one of the things I applaud Microsoft for. They they have come out and publicly said that they like to show gameplay, you know, as it is on the platform. They don't do a whole lot of that rendering stuff or game engine stuff. They just show gameplay, which I think is, it, it goes under the radar. I don't think a lot of people really appreciate that for what it is, um, but I, I like it. And then um, the other thing is, and we talked about this last time, as you just said, but don't show me a game that's not even in development yet. You know, uh, Death Stranding, I think, was the biggest offender of this last year got all this press and all this thing, you know, all this coverage around this game because it had a, a C, here we go back to right, a CGI trailer that may have nothing to do with the title in reality at all. Uh, Kojima has even said that. Um, it's just baffling to me. I don't, I don't understand where, you know, it's cool to say, all right, that looks neat. We'll talk about it when it comes closer. That's what it does for me. I, the overwhelming hype around it when at the time when they showed it, he hadn't even selected an engine to begin development. That makes no sense to me. You know, don't show me something that's not coming out for three, four, five years. That's that's a waste of time. There's <clears throat> there's too many good games out every week nowadays. It seems uh, that don't get the credit they deserve, especially from indie developers that deserve our support. To to waste every news cycle on this game um, that's not even in existence yet. I think that's really silly. Yeah, great points on a lot of the stuff there. Um, I, all that stuff drives me insane. And at the same time, it gets tons of hype for whatever reason, um, whether it be Sony, Nintendo, or Microsoft, whatever they're doing will get a lot of hype. And that kind of goes in the vein of what I dislike a lot. And that is uh, whether it be intentional or unintentional misinformation from developers or console makers. Um, a good uh, example of this would have been the PS4 Pro announcement, which was not at e E3, but it kind of gives an example of how they were talking about 4K. And what they did at that point is they weren't overly detailed at what kind of 4K um, they were going to be giving. So a lot of the games that released at the start of the PS4 Pro uh, to, to get support um, were not in native 4K. They were all upscaled and a lot of gamers thought that every single game that you had or the games that were coming we're all going to be in native 4K. So a lot of people got misinformation at the same time that causes a ton of confusion uh, for gamers in general. If you're not the most versed gamer when it comes to technology resolution or things like that, you get kind of lost in the details. And that kind of also gives another example of what happened during the PS4 Pro, or sorry, PS4 and Xbox One announcements before the console had released. There was a ton of misinformation given from Sony and Microsoft um, as to what their consoles could do or couldn't do. Um, and everything from prices, a lot of people thought this the PS4 was this awesome price bargain, but you just got the console with a controller and nothing else. Whereas with the Xbox One, you get a lot more stuff with the camera and stuff. Um, and a lot of people, hated on Microsoft because of that. And they made it, I fully admit, they made a lot of um, mistakes with their communication. So um, 
And then when you move it over to games, um, and we talked, you just briefly talked about Ubisoft, they are extremely sneaky with the kind of things that they do. Um, sometimes they will announce something at E3, they'll show some gameplay. When the game comes out, that entire type of gameplay has, was scrapped in development and they you're playing something completely different. Um, we also, we can always talk about uh, No Man's Sky. Um, if we just talk about the, the press, not only at E3, but followed after that, a ton of misinformation that was very vague on purpose um, or not on purpose, depending on how you want to look at it. And then when the game came out, um, it did not deliver. So I can't stand when developers or console makers do that. It sends a lot of misinformation. A lot of fanboys get their feathers ruffled all over the place about certain things and um, drives me crazy about E3. Yeah, and I... I don't want to uh, sound like I'm coming down hard on Sony here because I'm not trying to. But one other thing that just popped in my head when you mentioned No Man's Sky, and that's a whole other topic we won't get into. Um, one thing that jumped out to me last year that I found really strange too, like, see, I love like the God of War announcement. That was a surprise. And hopefully it's coming in 2018. We'll see. Um, but Death Stranding drove me nuts, as I said. The other thing that really kind of took me aback was Shenmue 3. So they announced Shenmue 3 and, and bring... Um, Oh God, I'm gonna forget his name now, which is terrible. Being an old school Sega fan, but the um, Suzuki, yeah, yeah, I believe it's Suzuki. Suzuki. Sorry, <laughs> um, creator of Shenmue, but they bring him on stage and are like, "Yeah, Shenmue 3. and I'm like, "Oh wow, you know that that was a example of a good thing, right? That's a big surprise. Then they announced it's a Kickstarter campaign, and I'm like, "What? What are you? <laughs> what are you talking about? Why are you on center stage at E3 saying, "Yeah, we're making this game. Go to Kickstarter and support it." Like, well. That that made no sense to me either. I just weird decisions in that regard. You know, I I love Kickstarter. I've backed multiple games, Ukulele um, being the most recent. But uh, don't don't take center stage at E three to tell me this great surprise announcement that you're going to be funding this huge game, but then say go to Kickstarter and support it. That that was ridiculous. Yeah, the other funny thing about that on the vein, and then we'll we'll switch over to our our next topic is um, when Sony or Microsoft show off a game. Um, at E3, and they show it as if it's their game. It's an exclusive game that you have to get on them. Destiny is an awesome example of it. A lot of people think you can only play Destiny on PlayStation 4. However, a lot of games that are coming, even like Final Fantasy VII Remake, which was a big, almost mic drop for Sony back in 2015, is actually available on Xbox One as well. Um, so, um, kind of funny how they do it it's all part of the game i guess uh however it's not the best thing for gamers in my opinion um it's an easy way of giving misinformation out and always not the best but what can you do <laughs> um, all right so we're gonna talk about our next uh little fun section we like to do it's uh season reflections um and this is where we talk about a game that is older um and we loved at one point in time, and you know, do we do we still think it's playable today? Has it aged well? Has it aged horribly? And why we love it so much? So, Ains, why don't you go first this week? What what do you got for us from a season reflection standpoint? Yeah, so uh, I chose to go back to the PlayStation Two era. Uh, you know, we'll see how PlayStation Four ends up because it's you know it's selling extremely well. But PlayStation Two being the most famous uh, PlayStation, the best selling console of all time. But one of the great titles. Um, I'm sorry to be staring downwards here. One of the great titles that came from Capcom for the PlayStation 2 was Onimusha. So um, this, I remember picking it up on day one uh, just due to great reviews, and um, it was a fantastic game. I mean, the graphics were kind of jaw-dropping at the time. You know, they, they really blew you away. A lot of fun action, really cool uh, scripted sequences and boss fights. And um, 
I think you still could enjoy today. In fact, as I, as I was kind of looking at this and looking at the case and looking at some of the things you did in it, it actually reminds me a lot of Neo. Uh, you know, Neo being the, uh, the most recent game um, from Team Ninja, you know, the martial arts Souls game. We, <laughs> here we go referring to Souls games again. Um, but enjoyed Neo a lot. It, it, thinking back to Onimusha, it o almost was like a similar vein where you go to little hub worlds and, and uh, you know, martial arts and you could use different uh, characters and... and um, uh, weapons and stuff so really love this game um i believe you know i have onimusha 2 sitting here with me as well um you may recall better than me i believe they made onimusha 3 but i believe it stopped at that point and um there's been a lot of talk uh, is this one of those franchises that capcom needs to bring back you know capcom i don't want to say they were necessarily in their prime back in the ps1 ps2 days but uh, a lot of people think of them that way they think of them right now as more of a remaster company sadly so Hopefully they're going to move past that, you know, with like the new Marvel vs. Capcom, and hopefully we could see something like Onimusha come back, you know, as a as a new uh, a new title. But that's my uh, that's my title for this week. I loved it, and uh, yeah, I think you can definitely go back and play it. It's not as engaging as modern games are, you know. We've come a long way since that era, but uh, definitely still enjoyable. Yeah, funny you mentioned Capcom. That's uh, my game too. But uh, I'm going one generation uh, behind you, older. Um, and bringing up rival schools. So if uh, you played any fighters back in the day of the uh, PlayStation 1 is when I guess fighters finally started getting somewhere near um, the arcade cabinet um, experience that they kind of were um, until you know later on. But uh, rival schools was a, a cool game because um, you were able to play two different schools in the Japanese realm and you would fight another school. So kind of exactly the way it sounds in, in rival schools. Um, in my opinion, it was way ahead of its time. Um, it came out in 98. Um, and one of the things that they did, which was really cool is they started bringing out the 3d fighter type of uh, fighter game. Um, if you guys remember Virtua fighter on the uh, Sa Sega Saturn, that's where they kind of first started bringing the, the 3d fighter from your typical street fighters and stuff like that. And rival schools did an excellent job with it. Um, it did have a sequel um, that didn't really get as much hype um, here in the States. Uh, that one actually came out on the dreamcast. Um, which was unfortunate because the Dreamcast was one of my favorite consoles of all time, but they had awesome fighters on the Dreamcast. Um, but Rival Schools, uh, you can actually play this um, uh, still and still enjoy it and have a good time with it. If I'm not mistaken, they did have it available um, for uh, electronic download on the Vita and the PSP. I'm probably going to get that wrong, but I can't remember uh, where you could download it and still play it. Um, but it's it's a it's a ton of fun. Um, I had a great time with it back in the day, and it's still one of my favorite fighters. Um, I still think you can play it um, with the original PlayStation One and still have a little bit of fun. You might get bored of it though, with how far we've come with fighters and, and where we are today. So um, that's mine for this week. Rival schools. So. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Dreamcast and fighters, man. Just thinking back to the launch of Dreamcast with Soul Calibur, man, that game was stunning at the time. I just everyone loved that game and I, I still have it sitting here too but god the hours i put into that game yeah and marvel vs capcom uh too uh, yeah that game I mean, yeah. that's when we all still love marvel vs capcoms and then three got kind of weird <laughs> and we, here we are with infinite as we talked about today so yeah and two i believe for dreamcast is actually uh still goes for decent money too if i recall yeah my... yeah if you can get an actual yeah. official uh uh, game as we remember people burn those games like crazy on Dreamcast, yeah. but the one is I think north of like 70 bucks if not more um, yeah. on the on eBay and stuff 
But okay, guys, we're we're done with our bitcast for this week. Um, if you're following us on any of the social media places, we are on Twitter. Uh, we are on uh, Facebook. We have a group on there. If, if you'd like to join, let us know. Um, if you're watching our video on YouTube, please like and subscribe. We do these about every other week. We try to have them published on Sunday, depending on our schedules. Um, once I'm traveling this weekend, um, so I'll try to have this up as soon as possible. You're also able to find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, simply look for Season Gaming. Um, if you have any uh, feedback for us, just mention it in the comments. We'd like to have your feedback and improve these as much as we can. Um, if you have any requests for videos, um, let us know. We'll try to put those together for, for you on a lot shorter of a, a format, you know, 10, 15 minute format for you. Um, and also make sure to visit our site, seasongaming.com. Thanks for joining us.